Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from the book of Jeremiah. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Getting into uh, looking at the church at Thessalonica, what Paul had told them about, and here we're looking at people that have, you know, uh, really abandoned their faith. So when you look at the book of Jeremiah, you get kind of a polar opposite. Here's these people that are abandoning their faith and abandoning their walk with God, and you're going to see what God has to say to them. So to me, it's kind of a warning out there to the church, and you know, these were believers of the faith, the tribes, twelve tribes of Israel, these Judah. And then um, for you and I to say, hey, wait a minute, you know, there's believers out there that for some reason they may have banned their faith. And hopefully nobody in here has done that. But if you are, this is a message for you as well, how we can hear from God and how, what God has for us. You know, you think about um, the bad thing. I mean, yes, it's bad that we abandon our faith. We leave, um, we backslide. But the great thing is we have God and he brings us back with, by his grace, right? And we come back to this place and we're just so blessed, so um, I'll tell you what, when, when we start here in chapter 2, I wanted to kind of go through a little bit further, but we're going to take communion at the end of the day, at the end of the service. And, uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted us to look at, we're just starting to look at the prophecies against them. You'll see uh, so many prophecies, I think it's through chapter 26. God says, you know, I got these things against you. I want you to understand this. Um, and I want you to hear what I have to say now. And as we go through these things, you know, you might think, oh, it's a lot of doom and gloom, but it's a lot of warning. And I think that there's a, a, a perfect picture for today, as well as, you know, in the days that Jeremiah is writing this to children of Israel, we see um, a nation that has started so wonderfully with God and it's gotten away from him. And there's consequences that will will pay. So the when we take these things on, if you're doing well, praise the Lord for that. But there are a lot of people that may not be doing well, may not need to hear, hey, you, well, you think you're in a bad situation. Like, I remember we were going through Jeremiah chapter 2 the other night, and even though they're in a bad situation, God had always remained faithful to them. Do you know that? And He's remaining faithful to you too. And then we have the opportunity to come back to Him, to come to Him. That's the grace of God. So um, I mentioned this Sunday, it's kind of like we're out there casting out nets, rescuing people, believers, our family members, from um, the things that they're into and the things that they, even people within the church, within these walls that call us a church, that we want to make every effort we can. Listen, um, people get ready. I was telling Mike about uh, Crystal Lewis's song, People Get Ready, Jesus is Coming to Take from the World His Own. I love that song. Uh, and it just reminds me so much of what's going on in the world today. And it's just painting this beautiful picture, and it says, The end. <laughs> And I'm like, let's get ready. Uh, you know, let's just get ready. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited about what's happening. So God has called Jeremiah for such a time as this. Remember, we saw last week his calling. He, he was, uh, he says, I formed you uh, in a womb. Uh, before I formed you, I knew you. So he's always had that relationship. He knew what he had called Jeremiah to. And then he had said, you know what? I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet. And so I have this calling upon your life, and you're going to herald, take the word um, that I'm going to give you to this rebellious people. They're, they're a rebel, a rebellious people in their own hearts because they've kind of, just, they, they haven't kind of, they've walked away from God. They've walked away from their faith. And the sad thing is, is when we take inventory of their lives now, and it's totally different than what it was. Remember, they walked out of Egypt pretty wealthy. You know, they came out of there. They were given gold. They were given earrings. They were given all this stuff. And they're given a relationship with God to watch God move in His faithfulness. And so now they're in this place to where God is going to give them reasons why He has a case against them. And it's just incredible to see that um, what He's done, and we'll be reminded of what He's done. Maybe it'll stir up our own hearts, but He um, He is just in what He does. He has a reason, purpose, and He's just in everything he does, and he's going to point it out to these guys. Uh, to, to as Jeremiah will speak these words forth in chapter two, he's going to point them out. He's got a complaint against them, 
And in verse 1, we begin, he says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the, uh, says the Lord. Yesterday in our staff devotions, I said, I got a devotion for you. And they said, what's that? And I said, well, it's chapter 2, verses 1 and, or 1 and 2 of Jeremiah. And I read that verse to him. I said, come back tomorrow and you get the rest of the devotions. <laughs> but this is what, what Jeremiah is told to do. He says, you know, moreover, now that I've called you, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord. Listen, in this time, and he's not wasting any time, Jeremiah, you have this calling upon your life. And I'm not wasting any time. The word needs to be out there. I haven't called you to be a prophet just to sit down and do nothing about it. But you have a message. And the message needs to get out there. So it's time to get, it's really time to get busy. It's time that the people need to hear. But it's gone long enough. And it's not time to wait any longer. So now is the time that we, you know, you need to put in operation. And you need to speak forth the word that the Lord has given to you. He says, go and cry. This is what the Lord is telling Jeremiah. At one time, you got to remember, as I was kind of alluding to just a minute ago, at one time, these people were brought out of Egypt. Remember in Egypt, it wasn't so like beaches and, and you know, drinks with umbrellas in them. Whether well, sitting back getting a tan. I was, had my socks off the other morning and I was looking at my flip-flop tan mark. It was going away, man. <laughs> I was kind of bummed. <laughs> <laughs> I got about another maybe two or three weeks left before its memories are faded. But they had been delivered from Egypt, from the bondage that was there. They were so thankful to be set free from the heavy uh, burdens at the heavy hand of the Egyptians. And then after some time, all of a sudden they get to this place that the people have backslid, they rebelled. And what it, what it tells me is, if God doesn't mean as much to the first generation, He's not going to mean that much to the second generation or third generation. If moms and dads aren't teaching the Bible, teaching a relationship, not preaching to their children, teaching this to their kids, then what's going to happen on the next generation afterwards? If we're not taking it serious at home, then when is it going to be taken serious? Are we going to expect to get a chip in our children's mind to say let's insert the bible now we got a new chip and boom now you can walk accordingly it's not going to happen you see after some time these people who were once just ecstatic about watching god move watching them being delivered out of egypt watching all the plagues come upon the land of egypt watching uh you know the firstborn die watching the sea part watching them go through safely watching the sea just crash in on the egyptians and all the chariots Watching these things, watching them go, it's just incredible to see everything they had done. But all of a sudden, they come to this place where they're backslidden. They rebelled and they left God and all of His goodness. And uh, so the time has come, the Lord says, you know what, I need to speak to you. And I think of the same thing today. How many people has the Lord delivered? Maybe had a needle in their arm, or maybe they just thought that they were too good. They were chasing careers and millions of dollars, and the Lord rescued from them from that vain lifestyle. And He saved them, and all of a sudden everything was cool. started off great. Remember, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then all of a sudden it comes to this place to where i got to talk to you. And then it's like the people, are we ready to hear? Are we still hearing like we did when we were young Christians? Remember, i tell you the story. Then four weeks, or, yeah, four weeks of my walk with the Lord, I had been commissioned to come up to the Northwest. Four weeks. I was telling my wife just on the way into church, I said, you know, we're only here because the rain was coming down real hard. And I go, we're only here because you wanted to be here. And she looked at me and says, not so. <laughs> but it was the Lord that sent us. I have no doubt about that. But see, after some time, what do we do? We take things into our own hands. And God has, His heart is broken over these people. And He says, I want you to do, I want you to go out and cry out and go cry out to the people, I want you to hear them in all of Jerusalem saying, I've got something to say. I think of the church today, wake up, wake up. What are you feeding on? What's going on? What are we really after? Are we really enamored by entertainment? Are we really enamored by how much you know good stuff we got going on? Are we really enamored by ooh, the, the cool things or the new suave things that the church is putting out there? You know, I, I don't even know what they are, but are we enamored by those things? Or is Jesus Christ enough 
You know, is he just enough? Is he? And so he says, God says, listen, my, my heart is broken, man. Would you do me a favor and would you go tell the people that I need to get a message out to the people and you're the one and tell them this, that they've departed from their faith. They've departed. What else do you do? I mean, if you don't warn them, then they're, con- they're going to continue to go deeper and deeper into this sin, into this lifestyle, and then the next generation, next generation. So what do you do? I think of today, are we more concerned with friendships or fellowships? What I mean by that is, you know, we might have friends out there that are, have kind of backslidden away. Are we, are we warning them? Are we telling them, man, what are you doing? You were once on fire for the Lord. What are you doing now with your relationship? What are you doing now with God? What are you, and where are you at? Because I know that all things are pointing to this. Soon and very soon, we're going to go see the king. Can you imagine that? Being in heaven, being with the Lord Jesus? I mean, look at you can't get a, give me a free flight to Hawaii, which I love, or heaven, right? I mean, what are you thinking? Are you going to wait for the Seahawks to win the next Super Bowl? Not me. I mean, I'm not, I just want, Jesus, if you're coming, let's do this. But in the meantime, look at, let's gather the family together and say, you, you ready? And that's what, what really what Jeremiah has here. He says, and listen to what the Lord has for them. And let me say this, again, we're not Israel, I understand that, but it so applies to today. It's so just, just the same message just applies to the church today and, and to any of us who may have walked away from the Lord. He says, thus says the Lord, listen to what he says, I remember you, the kindness of your youth. He had never forgotten them. You think of God's heart. You think of God's heart to those who have just kind of meandered away. He's never forgotten them. Look at the children of Israel. And they've done some pretty bad things too. I mean, they were out there and they're, you know, getting involved in pagan worship and all this stuff. And they act as if they don't even need him anymore. And, and, and here he is and he says, you know what? I, I, rem- I remember you. I've never forgotten you. And the things that I've done for you, I I'm just listen, I'm still here. And at one time, they really acted like children, you know, like little children, so enamored by the Lord, so enamored by, you know, little children will be enamored by their, their seniors until they get to be about three, and then they oh, turn. But at one time, they actually honored and respected the Lord. And he says, I remembered you, the kindness of your youth. So the kindness of their youth, but now that they're grown, they acted like they didn't need him. I remember when I was a teen, maybe you were like this, maybe you weren't, but as a teen, when I got to be about 14, I no longer needed my parents. That's what I thought. Bad move. 16, when my dad said, hey, it's time for you to pay rent, I said, I'm out. See, that's how I felt about my parents. I felt the grass was greener on the other side. I thought this is a good move. It was a bad move. See, these people, in the kindness of their youth, their youth, God says, I remembered you, the kindness of your youth, and the love of your betrothal. Remember when, prior to being married... All the things that you would do for your girlfriend, boyfriend, staying up late at night, trying to take the corded phone in the other room so nobody can hear, right? And then making these phone calls and and staying up till 2 o'clock in the morning. I remember my son when he was uh, dating Mary or he was getting to talk to Mary. I remember he he would text her and I said, son, if this is going to be the deal, you can't text her. You've got to talk to her. And I remember him coming down one time and talking to mom. He says, hey, how'd it go? You talked to you. And I'm kind of telling my son, I hope he's not watching. But he would say, hey, I talked to her for 16 minutes. And, you know, it's like, wow. And the next time you couldn't get him off the phone. You know, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. You're still talking. And you're like, but remember the things that we did? And that's what the Lord is saying. Remember the things that we did when we were in betrothal? Remember that time together? Remember when you did the things that all you wanted to do is all you could think about was pleasing me? Remember that? Remember when we were young and on fire? Remember when you'd ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want? What, what do you want? I'll do anything. I'll send me anywhere. I'll go there. I'll do that. Just the way it was. He says, and when you went after me in the wilderness, in a land not sown, remember when you went after me. I mean, I, I think of the Lord being in a wilderness. I think of the Lord remembering me in the wilderness and saying, that kid needs to be rescued. And he met me there in the wilderness, just like he met all of you. And it doesn't matter the depth of the wilderness we were in. It matters not. You know, I use my life a lot. Not everybody was a drug addict and alcoholic. Praise the Lord. Some of you are just prideful. 
Some of you are just arrogant. Some of you were just, you know, thought you had it all together. I don't know what it is. But God met us there. It was a wilderness of our own being. And God, has, God met us there. And, and remember when he came after us. Remember, it's the same thing when he's telling Israel. Remember when you went after me in the wilderness. Remember, I followed you. I led you. And he remembered us in the wilderness. He, re, he remembered that, you know, he led us through the, the way. He remembered the darkest of our times. And he met us there. And you haven't forgotten that, have you? I mean, I remember that. I, I hope I never forget that, how the Lord delivered me through the wilderness of this world into a relationship with Him. And how wonderful it is. Listen, it didn't matter how hot it became in the desert for them. God guided them, didn't He? Or He didn't remember, you know, at night, everybody else was dark. Well, they had the light and a pillar of fire. God took care of them in the, in the wilderness. Remember how you went after me. I led you. And he's going to go on to talking about that a little later, about how he's done everything for them, just like he's done everything for us. And then God guided them. Remember that. And so look, in verse 3, he says, Israel was holiness to the Lord. And he's reminding them the first fruits of his increase. They were at the apple of his eye. The first fruits of the increase is, uh, of increase is a very special place in the heart. The first fruits belong to the Lord. And he's saying, you belong to me. You belong to me. No one else had that position. Israel did. Can you imagine that? I mean, look at how small Israel is around the land. You've got all these nations over there fighting. It's really getting kind of crazy now. I'm just waiting for the Lord to send that fisherman up and reel Russia down and come down to the south. And we can be like, wear your Air Nikes because we're out of here. But I just think of these things. I think of the things that, that, that nothing can happen to them unless it's been ordained by the Lord, they're, they're still the apple of His eye. And you and I, being believers, how our, our place in life with Christ is so incredible and such a special place that we have. He says, look, they're the first fruits of His increase. All that devour Him will, will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. Listen, anyone who would ever mess with Israel is going to have to answer. It's just the way it is. It's a very special promise that they have. They didn't need to defend themselves, but the Lord would always be there to defend them. He was going to be the one. Remember in Genesis chapter 12, here's a cool promise. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He had some pretty heavy promises. Some pretty cool promises. I mean, look at If they mess with you, I'll mess with them. I mean, he's your captain, he's my leader. Who's your leader? Who's your big brother? God. And he's going to take care of business. And so this is what he says. You know, he says, you know what? I've got this against you. I've got a complaint against you. And then he asks him this. He says, you know what? Do you guys think that I'm the problem? I mean, so he says, look at verse 4. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what injustice have your fathers found in me? That they have gone far from me, have uh, followed idols, and have become idolaters. What, what has the, the Lord done? What have I done, says the Lord? What have I done to cause you to depart from me? Have I done something? I mean, sometimes I think it's because the Lord doesn't answer some people a certain way. They think that he's a, they act as if he's a genie in a bottle and they don't get their answer. So they go, well, I'm checking out. What has the Lord done in order for them to depart from his goodness. And then, and then not just to depart from his goodness, but to follow idols. Remember the Thessalonians, they were following idols and they departed them to follow after the one true God. And that's crazy. That's crazy good. But here you have everything good, a relationship. You have the Heavenly Father as your, your father and the apple of your eye. And then all of a sudden you're going to change, exchange that to walk around with some carved images We'll see what they call their maker and their creator in a little bit here. But it's a clear message, I think, not just for the children of Israel back here in Jeremiah, but what about today? What about those to those who are backsliding with the Lord? Sadly, people don't have time for him, him anymore. And, and the question is, why? Has the Lord done something? Has it been the Lord's fault? Or, or maybe, you know, I've heard this a lot. Uh, you know, uh, well, that church or that pastor or that person, I don't go to church because of them. So you're looking for the perfect church. You heard me say this. Don't join it. Don't join it. 
Because you won't find it and you'll just ruin it. You see, the question is, I mean, what, are we blaming the Lord? The Lord says, hey, what have I done? Did I leave you in the wilderness? Did I provide for you? Did I give you the roof over your heads, the food to eat? Did I give you all of these things? And, you know, for me and you, I think I just think, listen, keep your eyes upon the Lord and have faith in Him. He's, he's our deliverer. He's the one that will deliver us. Listen to six times He reminds them of what He's done. Look at verse 6. Neither did they say, where is the Lord? They weren't asking, where is the Lord? Listen, who brought us up out of the land of Egypt? Who led us through the wilderness? Through a land of desert and pits? Through a land of drought and the shadow of death? Through a land that no one crossed? And uh, where no one dwelt. I brought you into the bountiful country to eat its fruits and its goodness. Listen, wasn't it the Lord who delivered them? So he's you know, saying, hey, what, did I, what have I done? What have I done? And when I think about this today, church, I think, what has the Lord done? What have we done to mess it up? When the Lord really wants to make it very simple for us, just follow me. Just follow me. And, and isn't it the Lord who, who, who delivers us through every trial? I look back at my life as a Christian. It's, my life as a non-Christian has been a, a lot easier than it was as a Christian. When I became a Christian. It was like, man, I thought all hell broke loose. But then I look and I have the Lord to take me through all of those trials. And I look at the other side, I go, ha, that was nothing. And I look, I say, Lord, thank you for giving me strength for this or to go through that. And the same thing is in all of our lives, is it not? Isn't it the Lord has delivered us from every trial? Has he not? I mean, sometimes we think, well, my car, I wanted a blue car. <laughs> or, you know, I, well, I, I wanted this or I wanted that. See, listen, not only were we dead in our trespasses and sins, not only were we lost in darkness with no hope, but, the, but then the Lord delivered us. But since that time, isn't it true that the Lord delivers us through every trial? I think of Paul the Apostle when he said, you know what, uh, he was going through a hard time, Second uh, Corinthians first chapter, he says, I was going through a hard time, I want to even give up. But then I found out, you know, he had to think about this and get it in his heart, that it was the Lord who delivered him, past tense, who is delivering him, present tense, and who will deliver me in the future? Future tense. It's always God. I was messed up when I had my own mind around it. I was messed up when I had my hooks on it and tried to figure things out. I figured out it was the Lord. The Lord has delivered us every time. And isn't it true how much He will still uh, deliver us? Even like He did yesterday, still today and tomorrow, He's still there. And we can't go on with, I don't think, you know, go on with counsel, without counsel from Him on a daily basis. He gives us His Word. I hope and pray that you're in the Word, that you're feeding on the Word of God. This is our daily bread. And we need His Word. We need to be you know, just partaking of it. How do you have a relationship with somebody you don't know? If you're, you, know, you, you met your girlfriend once a week or your boyfriend once a week and you try to have a relationship with them with a once a week thing, it's hard. It's like long distance relationships don't work. But here's the thing. God gives us His Word and he says, you know, gives us a beautiful facility, beautiful people. And he says, I want you to fellowship together. I want you to be in my word. I want you to partake of these things that I've given to you. And it's so incredible. And then we look back and we say, you know what, Lord? Every time you've delivered me. Every time. Has he not? Every time. I, things may have been very hard, difficult, but every time God has been there. Look at verse 7 because... As he continues, then something happened. It didn't matter how much he had done for him. It says in verse 7, he says, But, but, when you entered the land, when you entered, you defiled my land, and you made my heritage an abomination. The very things that they were to pass on to their children were now worthless. When you entered the land, maybe they got a little too comfortable, you know, they got a little close to the enemy. Uh, remember, started, maybe they started taking on the things of the uh, foreigners around them. They started making deals with the Gibeonites and all this stuff. But look, look at where they were. They were in Egypt. 
And Egypt is a picture of the world. They were in bondage. They were slaves in the world and getting nowhere. And he brings them out into the land. He did everything for them. Prepared the way. I think of um, what the Lord has done for them. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 5. He says this, Now let me sing to my well-beloved. That's how the Lord thought of them. He says, A song of my beloved. The Lord sees him as his bride. Regarding his vineyard, he says, My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He, speaking of the Lord, dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with choicest wines and built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth wild grapes. I mean, no doubt, right? But then he says, but it brought forth wild grapes. Or excuse me, he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. He did everything for it to produce fruit. And yet, cleared all the stones, got the ground ready, said, now it's time, let's do this. Then all they had to do was tend to the field. And the thing that happened was all of a sudden they started getting hardened in their heart and they liking looking elsewhere. And I think how many times the Bible says they saw, I think in Numbers chapter 32, when it says they were coming into the promised land, but the two and a half tribes, they saw that they had cattle. They saw that the land was good, so they stopped there. Or even in uh, Abraham with Lot, when he looked and they departed, it says Lot saw that the land was good. The valley was good. You see, when we walk by faith, or when we walk by sight and not by faith, it's opposite of what we should be walking like. Here the Lord cleared out everything for them. He says, you know what, you, 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 when you entered it, I brought you out, you entered this place and you defiled it. And they were without excuse, but it doesn't, you know, I think the same thing is spe speaks of backsliders today because the Lord has done everything. And yet when we find ourselves not where we should be, He's made His provision of grace to come back. Sometimes we, we backslide and people backslide in the church and they heap condemnation upon themselves and the Lord is still saying there, I know what you've done, I made the way, and even through your backsliding, I've still made the way, and it comes through the, the grace, you're not going to find it any other way. It's by my grace. Isn't that wonderful for us? That we know that it's His grace that we come back to Him? And the grace isn't a license to sin, but it's, a, it's an ability, it's a privilege to come to Him when we have sinned. And we've, we've gotten off track and it's the, the privilege of saying, you know what, Lord, I need You. And He says that I will give You my grace such a time of need. I love that. They were without excuse. United Air, without excuse. Listen, we have the Lord. I, you know, some people, I was sharing this uh, with somebody, I forget who it was. I, I mentioned, you know, golfers say, they say they're on a third hole and it's been a, a mess. Just, I remember doing this uh, one one golf course, just really had my, my grits. I was on the third hole and I just wanted to throw in a towel. And I say, well, the back nine is there. So said, you think about that. You know what I'm saying? Is the next six holes, I'm not going to be able to make it up. I'll wait till the back nine. So I'm throwing away six holes. I threw away the first three, trying. The next six, I'm throwing away because I can't play. I'm frustrated. Oh, is that what we do sometimes when we're with the Lord and we get out of our sorts? It's like, well, I can come back to Him. No, no, no I'm, don't wait for tomorrow. I come back to Him today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the way the, door, the Lord meets us here. In verse 8, He says, Listen, the priest, did not, the priest did not say, where is the Lord? These are the guys that should have known. He says, and those who handle the law do not, did not know me. How sad is that? Because the spiritual leaders of the land, didn't, they weren't calling upon the Lord. And they should have been the ones leading the people who were in need of help. They should have been able to bring them to the cross, bring them to Jesus, bring them to the Lord. You and I are the same way today. You know, but it said, look at the, he says, the priest did not say, where is the Lord? They weren't so worried about that when Jesus showed up. They were worried about their own things that they were doing. And so these spiritual leaders should have had the answers for the people, but they didn't have it. They were nowhere to be seen. They didn't know me, he says. The priests were to go before the Lord on behalf of the people and go before the people on behalf of the Lord, but they failed to do that. The rulers, it says, also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied Baal. By Baal, they prophesied falsely and walked after things they do, they, that do not profit. See, when the Lord said they do not know me, the word is yada. It's a word here that means far more than just intellectual knowledge. It refers to an intimate relationship, kind of that of a close relationship like a husband and a wife. 
they didn't know me. See, we have the, we have the privilege to know the Lord personally. It's His love letter to us. And we get to read it daily to wash ourselves, to be renewed by the Word of God. And we get to know Him daily, what He wants for us daily. Well, the priest here didn't do that. The priests weren't concerned about what the Lord had to say. They were concerned mainly about their own status, or their next building, their next, you know, whatever it might be, whatever thing that they can notoriety. That's what they were more concerned about. And the very ones who could have helped them with the problem of fallen humanity, they transgressed. They were of no help. They were of no assistance to those who, were in, who needed the help the most. Because, and here's the reason, long before the people lost their way, the leaders lost their way. Your children and my children, our children are looking for leadership. They're looking for moms and dads who are going to lead them today. They're looking for moms and dads that are going to say, listen, I don't have it all together, but Jesus does. Let's stay close to Him. They're going to just walk with Him. And there are many temptations, I think, of what pastors or leaders might want to get into. There's a lot of temptations that will keep them to go after things that are of no profit of the Lord. And it might even look like spiritual stuff. We just covered this uh, recently going through the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, He said, beware of the false prophets. So He tells the people, He said, look, beware of them. Keep your guard up. You know, I don't think whenever I go through the desert and I'm walking through the desert or I'm playing, especially if I'm playing golf in Florida, I'm being aware of what? My score? No, 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 no. Where the alligators are. I'm not kidding. I took a picture of the, I was on a 10th fairway or 10th tee box and I took a picture of the little pond right there and sent it to Ray. Ray goes, oh, I'm on a 10th tee box too. And he was in Washington State, but he said, I had no alligators by me. <laughs> Be aware of the false prophets. Be aware of what's coming. Does it just tickle our ears? Are we really being Bereans? You see, we're going to have a challenge as a church in this next election that we are going to have to vote again. And the church is going to have to vote biblically. We're going to have to vote to the things that God has already put His stamp of approval on and agree with the Lord. It's going to be very hard not to get our emotions mixed up, but we are going to make sure, have to make sure that we're be aware of the false prophets because He says they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And we've got to be careful in that because the priest in this day that, that the Lord is telling Jeremiah to talk to, talk about, look, at these guys weren't doing it. They weren't getting it done. And I think of the day and age in which we live on. It's a, it's a message for us in the, in the 21st verse of that same chapter. In the, he says, listen, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, it sounds like they knew him personally. Lord, Lord, not everybody calls me poppy or dad or grandpa, but those who know me, right? They would come to him and say, Lord, Lord, uh, he says, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wondrous works in your name? See, all kinds of Christian things. But then he said, look it, and then I will declare to them, just as they come to me and claim their status, he's going to respond. I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Was it? I never knew you. And but they're leading you away. They're leading people away from what the truth, because of what fancy stuff. But if we're not Bereans, we're going to be just like that. We're gonna we're gonna be we got to be careful. We got to stay in the Word. You see, there, there's I mentioned it Sunday a little bit. There's a lot of catchphrases that are Christian phrases that are out there, but they're not following the mandates of the Bible. The people became corrupt here in Judah because their leaders were corrupt long before they were corrupt. And they'll just follow the leaders. And people put a lot of place, they put a lot of um, stock in their leaders. And I'll tell you, I've told this congregation before, would you please make sure that you go home and you study what I've shared with you every time we open the Bible. I don't care who's teaching from this pulpit. Check our children's ministry. Make sure they're doing the right thing too for your children. Because it is important. Judgment begins in the house of God. And the people will do as the leaders lead. And we have to be aware of that. And look at verse 9, because here's the charges the Lord says, Therefore, because of what I just pointed out to you, therefore I will 
yet bring charges against you, says the Lord, and against the children's children I will bring charges for pass beyond the coast of Cyprus and sea. He's going to say, look, you look for yourself as if this has happened. Send to Kedar uh, and consider diligently So uh, and see if there is any such thing, has been any such thing. So he's going to tell him, I want you to take inventory. See if you've ever seen this before. And you've got, look what you've gotten yourself into. That's what the Lord is saying in verse 11. Has a nation changed its gods which are not gods? Listen, here's what the Lord is pointing out to them. Look at all the pagan nations out there from your east to the west. You see them and they're content with their gods. And their gods are bogus. Really, they're bogus. And, but they're content with them. They're not changing gods. And then he says this, he says this, but my people have changed their glory. For what does, what does not profit? And, you know, they backslidden. And for what is what he's saying? Look at these guys, they're going to cling on to their little voodoo dolls or whatever they have out there. And you had a relationship with the, with the living God and you're changing that glory for what does not profit. Be astonished, O heavens, at this, verse 12, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, says the Lord. Check this out. Even as evil as they have been, did you notice this? Listen what he does. He still refers to them as his people. There's a lot of grace in this. For my people have committed two evils. And the Lord says, you know what? They're still my people. I mean, can you believe that? No matter how far we've gone, we've been born again. No matter how far we've gone, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I think that today, that each one of us would know one, maybe two, maybe ten people out there that need to hear the message that, you know, it doesn't matter how far you've gone, you still belong to Him. Come back. And the Lord says that. He says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn out themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This is a sad exchange. I mean, they have exchanged God for idols, man-made idols. And they, forsake, they forsook the Lord by committing these two evils. They forsook Him by, um, they forsook the Lord, number one, and they've, they've uh, hewn out cisterns that hold no water. What are you after? Of these two sins, the first one was a sin of omission, forsaking the Lord. The second sin was a sin of commission. She had replaced her true God with false idols. And Jeremiah compares the nation's actions to someone who would abandon these springs of living water. Fresh water. You know, but for broken cisterns. And, you know, you think, you think of how tragic it is because when you think about cisterns, you think about something that is, you know, mortared, or rock, or whatever that's down in the ground trying to hold water. It has nothing fresh going into it. And therefore, they used to roll a rock over it to keep all the dust out. But, you know, you let stuff in there, and all of a sudden, uh, I was listening to one brother, and he says, sometimes when you drink you drink the water out of the cisterns, you get water and protein at the same time because all the bugs that are in there. And that's what they're trading their lives in for. You have water, you have life with, with living in abundantly. You can have this, this uh, water that is coming from fresh water. You can have this water that is never going to be fresh. You have bugs floating in it. But really it speaks, he's speaking of these broken cisterns and he's referring to, look, at this is what you got out of life now. It's not only without feeding springs, these things that don't only have feeding springs to feed them fresh water, but they're broken and they're unable to retain water to hold water in them. In other words, they're useless. Look what you traded your life into. Listen, you and I have the privilege of this, don't we? The privilege of, of what? Walking by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have that. The power. We have, we have that privilege. When Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I'm thinking every one of us would say, yes, sign me up. I love you. I want to keep your commandments. Eh, slow down. I'm paraphrasing. He says, then I will pray and give you another helper, comforter. Because you'll need him. You want to live an obedient life? You want to be a witness for me? You not only need to be born again, but you're going to need to be baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit that you might be witnesses for me. Remember Jesus said on the last day, the great day of the feast, and Jesus stood up and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, not as you think, not as you might be taught, 
As the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. But the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus is not yet glorified. So he's saying the time will come. And we look back and say the time has come. We don't have to live our lives with broken cisterns, leaking vessels, nothing worth holding into them, bugs, moss filled. And we can have the power of God. That's what he says, the freshness. And the message was spoken here as Jeremiah gives us, as the Lord gives to Jeremiah, as a rebuke to the people who were no longer faithful to their God. And so this certainly has much application for us today as well. And that's where I just think it's amazing to be going through this in 1 Thessalonians. What are we trusting in? What, what, is, what is it that we're running in? And what, how, who are we running with? And who are we looking to for help? Look at verse 14. He says, Is Israel a servant? Or is he, is he a homeborn slave? Why is he plundered? And Israel, again, was the apple of his eye, but now they're a slave to the world. And because of their actions during this situation, it wasn't because of the Lord. They've chosen to walk away. And this is what they're living. This is how they're living. And then in verse, the, the situation they're in is self-inflicted. Look at verse 15. He says, the young lions roared at him and growled. And they made his, uh, they made his land waste. His cities are burned without inhabitants. Also the people of Noph and Taphnes have broken the crowns of your, of your head. Have, not, uh, have you not brought this on yourself? In that you have forsaken the Lord your God, which He led you in the way? Listen, nothing else will ever satisfy. He's saying you've done this. You brought this upon yourself. The Lord's always been there every time. It doesn't matter what we've done, what they've done. He's always been there saying, look, and I'm here for you. Is for Israel then or for the Christian today, God is still the same. He's saying, I'm here for you. Long-suffering. And whatever we get ourselves into, it's because we brought it upon ourselves. And sometimes the Lord allows these things to come upon our lives so that we'll learn from them. That we'll gain some understanding. You see, our hope and help in a time of need, even in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, when He says, no temptation. So you're saying, yeah, well, it tempted me. I was beyond. No, no, no. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful. And, and again, God meets us there in that time of temptation, in that time where we think, and remember, temptation is not a sin. It's when we act upon that temptation. But he says, who will allow you, speaking of the Lord, to be tempted, uh, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape. That you may be able to bear it. So the Lord is saying, you know, there's temptations out in that world. I get that. But listen, call upon me and I will deliver you in a day of trouble. And I will give you rest so that I might be glorified. Psalm 50.15 says. The Lord is always there. What do you do? What, what will you try and drink from? What do you want to drink from? How refreshed do you want your life to be? Do you want to drink from other sources? You think they'll satisfy? Look at verse 18. He says, and now why take the road to Egypt to drink the waters of Sihor? Or why take the road to Assyria to drink the waters of the river? Do you think they'll help? I mean, that's what he's telling them. He said, you know, you're going to go down and drink from the Nile? You're going to drink from the Euphrates? What are you going to do? You're going to find some other way? You're going to keep digging and try and find some other way? He says, listen, I think in this right here, it applies to backsliders today. So you can underline this, highlight it, take it to your friends, maybe for your own life, highlight it up. He says in verse 19, your own wickedness will correct you. And your backsliding will rebuke you. It's interesting how some say, you're judging me. It's only obvious the way you're living your life. You're preaching a message loud and clear. Speaking of the backslider, it's there. He says, know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. And the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord of hosts. Here's what the problem is. He says, the fear of me is not in you. You have no fear there. There's no reverence. There's no holy fear. I just do what I do because you do it. And I know we have the flesh and the flesh has a propensity to be satisfied, right? But we also have the Holy Spirit and whatever one that we give into is going to be victorious in. And you know, the flesh wants us to leave the spiritual things out. The Spirit says, let's put the flesh to death on a daily basis where Paul said, I die daily. But if we don't have a proper fear of reverence of the Lord, then what, what becomes, e it becomes easy to wander. 
It becomes easy to move away. Listen, life is not fair. Right? I mean, you remember I used to tell my kids, when he said, life, they tell me life is not fair. I said, no. You know what a fair is? A fair is where you pay $2.50 to go in and ride some rides. That's fair. That's where you get your money's worth. It's not $2.50 anymore, I don't think. But how much, let me ask you a question without you having an answer, but something to ponder. How much of a lack of fear do we see in the church today? Reverence. What about in the leaders? What are we, what are we trying to do with the Bible? And, I, and it's sad, but um, looking at, have we made a business out of this? In America. And I think even for myself, how important it is to respond to the Lord when He points something out of my life. Lord, I want to have that proper fear. Listen, I'm not above falling. I get that. First Corinthians 10, 12. Take heed. If He stands, take heed lest He fall. I, I get that. I'm not prone. I'm not ever going to fall. I, I mean, I'm pr- prone to fall just like anybody else. But we got to have this response to the Lord and have that healthy fear of the Lord daily. God, what do you want? I would fear not hearing from Him, not walking with Him. That close relationship, it gets really dark. And so remember who it is that sets you free. Look at verse 20, he says, For of old I have broken your yoke and burst your bonds. It was the Lord who set them free. Remember that? Just like you and I. And you said, I will not transgress. This is their proclamation. Oh, yeah, you set me free. I'm not going to do that anymore. Because of what you've done, I won't sin. I won't walk away from you. This is their response to him. See, listen, actions are louder than words. You can fool men some of the time, but you can fool God none of the time. We can come through the doors. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You're just going to fight with your spouse out there. Makeup, putting on makeup, trying to dry up the tears or whatever. The kids are just like shaking. Oh yeah, everything's good. The Lord is saying, you know what? He said, oh no, I won't transgress. This is what they were saying. The Lord, you have broken you. You set me free and I won't do this. When on every hill, the Lord says, on every high hill and over every green tree, you lay down playing the harlot. Every time you go home, you leave the sanctuary. This is what happens. You see, it doesn't matter what they said, it was what they were doing. And the Lord pointed out to them, I see on every hill and every tree, there's altars to Baal, to Molech. I, I see out there what's going on, and you may want to close your eyes to it, but I see these things. And, you know, for you and I, it's like, well, we may have an ad blocker on our computer screen, but we can't hide things from the Lord. We may be able to go on different whatever they're called to hide your what you're on in the internet. God says, you can't hide that from me. I see on every page that you've ever been on. And then the Lord goes on and says, I planted you in verse 21. He says, yet I had planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into a degenerate plant and an alien vine? Remember when I read in Isaiah 5, how did you turn so fast? And the Lord goes on to tell them that they've tried to clean themselves up, but it's not going to work. Look at verse 22. For though you wash yourselves with lie and much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord. Isn't it that the Lord's business to clean us up? We can't do it. We ought to know better than that. I'm a prime example of that. I, you guys know my story. I couldn't, I couldn't get clean, couldn't get free if it wasn't for the Lord. So thankful for Him. But you try and wash yourself up. I tried. (laughs) Oh, did I try. And again, the dangers that all the backsliders will face trying to make themselves, you know, right with God is He knows everything about us, doesn't He? Right? Knows everything about us, but He knows the depth of our sin and rebellion. He also knows that repentance is a clean, and He is a cleaning agent. It's not what we do. Sometimes I think, you know, well, when I, you know, you hear, heard two couples, I've heard this a lot, you know, two couples before they're married, they're living together. Well, when we get married, it'll be better. No, no, no. The thing that makes it better is repentance. That's what makes it better. You know, well, I know I should, I should come back to church. It'd be the right thing to do. No, no, no. Don't bring that 
sin-filled life back to church, repent. And then come back to church. See, repentance is what keeps us clean. Repentance. It's a good thing for us that God gives us the ability to repentance. I mean, you know, look at, we look at our kids and we chase our kids sometimes, some of us, and we might get angry and all get up. Why did you do that? And we're three years old. Why did you do that? You should have known better. You know? And the Lord says, you're 50 years old and you haven't figured it out yet? No, he doesn't do that, does he? But he calls for us to repent. And, if, you know, I think of that. There are many who fall in the trap of being saved, but then when, when they're confronted about whatever it might be, they try and work their way. Okay, I need to do this. Don't start changing things. Repent. That's the only change that needs to take place. See, the danger is trying to wash ourselves with thinking that we'll make God acceptable or we'll make God like this because we're washing in lie or we're, you know, basking in, in much soap. We're trying to do when repentance is required. It's a thing. It's a beautiful thing repentance is. I don't see what, I don't, I don't know why the church, hopefully, I don't think this church does. I hope you don't because I say it quite a bit. I don't see why repentance is so bad. We act like it's a four-letter word. Repent? See, the danger then is to wash ourselves with works. I'll just get better. No, no, no. Just repent. And then the Lord asks in verse 23, He says, "How, How can you say I'm not polluted? And have not gone after Baal. You uh, see your way in the valley. Know that you have um, what you have done. You are a swift dromedary. That's a young camel breaking loose in her way. A wild donkey used to the wilderness that sniffs at the wind in her desire. In her time of mating, who can turn her away? All those who seek her um, will, will not weary themselves. In her month, they will find her. What, 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 what is, uh, the Lord is telling the the inhabitants of Jerusalem, of Judah, is look, you'll sleep with anybody. You're playing with the harlot. And you know, some might try and justify, oh, I'm not that bad. Now look, at what does the Lord say about it? And again, I'm not trying to be a legalist, but I think in the church we need to be a little bit more realistic. What, what realistic, what does the God say? There's not 50 shades of gray in the Bible. We don't live our lives according, well, I don't know about this. Well, if the Lord said it, that should settle it. And we should live according to that way. And then it builds that healthy, that holy fear. God, thank you. Thank you for delivering me and keeping me on that straight and narrow path. That's where I need to be. I'm not embarrassed to say that. Because, you know, well, you're a man. You should be able to walk out there. No, 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 no. I want to walk with God. I want to walk close to God. Listen, there have been backslidden, in the, the, speaking of the children of Judah, long enough to where it seemed that they had lost hope. And, and some people do this. So they'll, they'll wander away from the Lord as if they lost hope. So it often happens. Look at verse 25. Withhold your foot from being unshod and your throat from thirst. But you said there is no hope. No. For I have loved aliens and after them I will go. You see, they had felt that there wasn't any help anymore. Where there's no hope. I think that we as a church have to be careful what message we're promoting. There is a message of hope for everyone. No matter what they've done. Listen, the, the same message needs to be preached in the church that though homosexuality is a sin, so is heterosexual outside of marriage sexual relationships. You see, the things that are obvious we'll preach on. But the things that are not so hidden, we might be afraid to say, well, I don't know about them. They might lead a church. If they lead a church, if they're not doing very well, then our tithe budget won't be met. Ushers, get the door. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we have to call it for what it is. And we have to be faithful to the Lord. But they said there is no hope. Nope, don't get the door. Tell them there's hope. Tell them that there's hope. We got hope for them. It's in Jesus. These people were saying, you know what? There's no hope. They've been sleeping with everybody. They've been playing the heart with everybody. And the Lord pointed to them. And there are many who walked away from the Lord, but they need to hear this message. There's a message of hope. And God is a God of hope. Where will they turn? Look at verse 26. As the thief is ashamed uh, when he is found out, so is the house of Israel ashamed. They and their kings and their princes and their priests and their prophets say to a tree, you are my father. This is the depth of, of the godless society. Uh, a depth, I should say, and to a stone you have given, you, you gave me birth. Listen, if you, think, if you think that's crazy, look at what we're teaching our kids nowadays. My father is a monkey, 
an ape. That's what we're teaching them nowadays, right? So they're saying, my father's a, a, my father to a tree, you're my father. You think, that's stupid. Well, we go out there and say, well, look, so you get this, you know, these ape pictures in elementary school, and they, my father's an ape, and we're teaching them the same thing. Verse 27 says, For they have turned their back to me and not their face. Don't run. Come to him. But in time of their trouble, they will say, Arise and save us. See, Judas' pursuit of the false gods was a disgrace to her, but it seemed like every time that they were in trouble, they said, God, help me. God, help me. And then in verse 20, he says, But where are your gods that, they have, that you have made for yourselves? Let them arise. You know, call out to them for once. If they can save you in a time of trouble... For accordingly in the number of your cities uh, are, are your gods, O Judah. So in every city, they had, they had the gods, they had pagan gods. Why don't you just call out locals, a local call. Will you, you know, will you plead with me? Have you transgressed against me, says the Lord? Or she says, you have all transgressed against me, says the Lord. In vain I have chastened your children. They received no correction. They were just as hard-headed and hard-hearted as the parents were. Your, your sword has devoured your prophets like destroying a lion, uh, like a destroying lion. They killed the messengers that brought them the word. Every, you know, these messengers, Isaiah was sawn in tomb. The messengers were all, they were being killed. And yet they throw these guys down. The messengers are being sent to their death in verse 31. O generations, see the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness to Israel or a land of darkness? Why do my people say where are uh, we are lords? Uh, will we come no more to you? Can a virgin forget her uh, forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me without number. It's a sad statement. It's a sad statement. See, they had forgotten what the Lord had done for them. They had forgotten everything about Him, and they had forgotten their relationship with the Lord. They kind of left it in the dust. And to put it plainly, Judah was irresponsible. In Hebrews chapter 2, there's a warning to the church. And the warning is this, that we would, it says, taking heed of things that we have heard, chapter 1, that Jesus is superior, that He is everything above all the angels and everything, that we would neglect, not reject, but neglect so great a salvation. You and I might neglect the walk we have with the Lord, the relationship we have with the Lord. Verse 33, Why do you beautify your ways, your way to seek love? Therefore, you have also taught the wicked women your ways. Also on your uh, your skirt is found the blood of the lives of the poor in, uh, of the poor innocent. I have found I have not found it by secret search, but plainly on all the things. I mean, it's clearly seen. You're not you're not hiding. It's obvious what they have done. Yet you say, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall uh, turn from me. I mean, this is their rendition of where they are, and then the Lord's rendition. Who are you going to believe? Behold, I will plead my case against you. This is what the Lord says. They really need to think about this. God will have the final say, right? Because you say, I have not sinned. Really? Why do you get or disappear or go your way about so much to change your way? Also, you have been ashamed of Egypt as you were ashamed of Assyria. Indeed, you will go forth from him with your hand on your head, for the Lord has rejected your trusted allies, and you will not prosper by them. This is the Lord is saying. Clear call to the Lord. You guys have left me. Why don't you just trust in the gods that you've walked away to? How will they do for you? Are you going to put your stock in them? And it's a clear call from Him to the people of Judah to check their hearts. You know, you guys hear what He's saying, but obviously their ears are growing dull. And so we ask ourselves tonight the kind of similar question, who are we trusting in and do our, do our ways take priority or are we really listening to the Lord? Have we, are we in that close relationship with Him? And can we wash away our sin? What are we doing to stay clean? Are we just trying to make better things better or not good or bad things better? Nothing else will prosper, the Lord says, and you will not prosper by them. Anything you try and do on your own, anything else you try and trust in will not prosper. And so tonight, the ushers are going to bring forth communion. They're going to bring it up, and it's being passed out. And let's reflect tonight with just in our own hearts. Mike's going to come and lead us in, in, in a worship song as communion is passed out. Ray's going to lead us in the elements. 
But the, the Lord rejects any other offer, any other power, any other effort by man. And listen, the, and he says though that I'm here. I'm here. You don't have to try. You don't have to keep going on. You don't have to keep doing these things. You know, I'm going to reject all that stuff because that's not what I've called you to. That's not the one who saved you. I've saved you. And so much today as we look at this fourth quarter of life, we look at the 440, we're running track, and we look at the end line down there, the goal, we're thinking... The time is soon and very soon. Lord, I can't trust in anything else. And it just brings us together to say, you know what, Lord, I, I need you. And I'm not, I'm not beginning to think that everyone here is backslidden. But all of us should check our hearts before communion. But to the backslider, the, the message is there is hope. There is hope and it's only in Jesus. And Jesus Christ is sufficient to deliver us. Let's uh, pray and they'll pass out communion and Ray will lead us after Mike. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.